0: Welcome to the. (laughs) No, 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 I can't do that. Let's try another one. Uh, How about this? (laughs) No, no, that won't work either. Let's try this. I can get on board with that. Let's roll with it. Welcome to the Begin the Begin podcast. My name is Jeff Hillemeyer, and I'm on a mission to find out what makes people tick. Not just anyone, people who are making a profound impact on the world. I wanna dig into their origin story and get to the root of why and how they do what they do. I hope you are as inspired coming out of these conversations as I am. Let's get into it. On this episode, I get to talk to one of my favorites, Julie Bowerman. Julie is the Chief Global Digital Officer for Kellogg and is a fantastic board member of one of my nonprofits, 48 and 48. We talk about her strategic outlook on life and business, the importance of having great leaders in your life, and advice on how to build a successful career in marketing. Let's get into it. All right. I'm super excited. Um, Anytime I get to talk to one of my closer business friends, as I'll I'll call her um, on the podcast, I love to do that. So Julie, tell everybody who you are and what you do.
1: Hi, everyone. Uh, Thanks for having me, Jeff. My name is Julie Bowerman, and I am the chief... uh, I have a long title, but I'm basically the chief digital officer at Kellogg.
0: Yeah. And we met way back when you were at Coke, right?
1: Yeah.
0: But you, you are a a real short period of time.
1: (laughs) My, yes, my, uh, my Coke days, I started there when uh, right out of college, I was at Coke for 23 years and made a decision three years ago to leave Coke. It was a hard, hard decision, but, um, you know, I wanted to spread my wings. I wanted to kind of test my, um, I think a little bit, my confidence and my skills that, you know, Coke had, um, I was in my comfort zone at Coke. And so I wanted to branch out, um, and see, you know, work at different companies and different business situations with different leaders and, um, and just have new experiences. So I left Coke and then went to Hain Celestial, which is a organic company, very entrepreneurial led, um, had a lot of interesting experiences at Hain. And then about a year and a half ago, I went to Kellogg.
0: Yeah. And, um, reunited with a former Coke person you worked with. Is that right? At Kellogg?
1: Yeah. The CEO at Kellogg is ex-Coke. The chief growth officer is ex-Coke. Both uh, phenomenal leaders um, in frankly, probably the leading reason I chose to go to Kellogg. I've since discovered there's other reasons I love Kellogg. Um, but my initial motivation was to go work for what I thought were two really great leaders.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how how often does that happen? And I know you've had mm-hmm. people follow you from career to career that that want to work with you as a leader. So, um, so it's interesting. I was thinking about, uh, it was natural for me to ask you to be on this for lots of different reasons, but I was thinking about like, as I think about you and what I think is unique about you, there's a couple of things that come to mind. And I don't know if you know this about yourself or that I or others perceive you. So, number one, I, I think of you as very strategic. I think like as you ta- tackle a problem, or as we've had conversations, you're on the board of 48 and 48. You always bring it back to a strategic lens, and I'm guessing part of that's like what you have to do at a brand like Coca-Cola. Um, mm-hmm. your, your positivity, you always have good positive energy, and you know some of our friends like Joanne have that as well. But you you're always seem to be positive and there's probably stuff going on, but you, you seem to be making the best of it, but, and I don't swear a lot on this podcast, but the best way I could say the thing that I think about you, that's different than some of my other friends is you always seem to have your shit together. <laughs> and I don't know. If, I don't know if you feel that way, but like, I don't know. It just seems like you always have a plan. You've, you sort of know where you're headed. Um, I don't know. Is that, is that, have you heard that before? Is that, is that, something that people have told you?
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, first of all, Jeff immensely flattered. Those are, you know, three very big compliments. So thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, I am definitely a planner by nature. You know, I like things, um, you know, kind of organized. I like clear direction. I like, you know, clear prioritization. You know, I think my team would say that, Um, one of the things that I do really well is have a really clear performance agenda every year, you know, where we're going to focus, what are our biggest priorities, how we're going to measure that. And then my leadership style is to kind of drive Um, that performance through coaching and development, through engaging the team, through removing barriers that are causing us to, you know, not achieve those priorities. Um, But I let the team, I empower the team to run it how they want and get it done how they want. Um, And I just kind of move out of their way and help remove the barriers when need to. So, yeah, I think that's that's fair. Sometimes I can be a little too planned, you know, like too much of a plan. And sometimes that has unintended co- consequences, obviously, um, that, you know, require me to have to, I've had to really work at kind of being flexible. Um, if you ask my 17-year-old daughter, I'm not a very flexible person. <laughs> um, but I've had to work on that, for sure, in the corporate world, um, because things change. Um, but yeah, to your point, I, I, I like kind of being organized and having having my act together.
0: Are, and are you, um, I assume also detail-oriented. Are you an inbox zero person or are you a thousand? And what are you?
1: <laughs> I'm a, I'm a zero person. Yeah. I, like I get every day down as most every day I'm down to close to zero, but under yeah. 10 or so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's
0: amazing to me. So am I, it's amazing to me how some people you would think would also be an inbox zero. And they're like, no, I never even clean out my inbox. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't I, My world would spiral out of control if I let that happen.
1: So my husband is not One, he is, I pick up his phone and he's got like a thousand emails and he'll have like 55 texts. And it's almost like I just go and I'm like stressed with, I I can't even look at it. And I'll even just unconsciously open his inbox or his text messages and start deleting like the, you know, the minutiae just for my own purpose. He doesn't care that it's kind of fun. It feels good to do that, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah,
0: definitely. Yeah. My wife is the same way. And I and she was getting interested recently in like, like I mean, I, I want to say she has 30,000 emails in her inbox. Like she just does never, you know, she replies to stuff, but she just leaves it in there. So she was thinking, and she just decided, you know what, I'm just going to start a fresh email uh, address. And uh, I doubt she'll listen to this. Um, she doesn't listen to all these. I'm just going to say there's going to be 30,000 in that one too. I- <laughs> you either that are makes or, your or you marriage
1: are. work. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: right. That's right. So, uh you grew up where? Michigan? Ohio. Ohio. Okay. Midwest. Yeah.
1: Ohio, yeah.
0: Only or oldest child?
1: I'm asking. Oldest of two.
0: Oldest of two. Okay. Yeah, I have a yeah. younger
1: brother. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, the the uh, I'm wondering if that's part of how you um ended up detail oriented, you know, square, square corners, get the inbox out. Um, because there was a, I found I'm an oldest child as well. And I find that I, and my oldest is more like that. It seems to be how you grow up. If you have somebody younger than you in the house, is that fair?
1: Yeah, I think so. And I also, you know, I also had parents that were very much that way. Um, interestingly, my brother is not that way. Um, so I feel like, you know, in a a household, you know, you have kids of all different types when you have more than one. Um, And my parents are very much, you know, kind of organized taskmasters, you know, um, and so I think I picked it up from, from them as well. Mm. Okay.
0: And how, how much younger is your brother? Three years. Okay. Um, yeah, I have a three year younger sister, um, and then two other sisters. Um, but I, but it is interesting. A lot of the people that I talk to on this are the oldest, um, I, th- I think we have a sense also of like achievement or I don't know, dry. There's something there that maybe, and maybe that maybe it's a, a problem. I don't know, but it seems to be there. Um, in many of my friends.
1: Yeah, I, I think I definitely agree. Like for me, I think a lot of what drives me is that sense of achievement. Um, and you know, kind of, I I can be sometimes my hardest critic too, because I'm always like, okay, that was good, but how do I make it better? Mm -hmm. How do I do better? How do I accomplish more, achieve more? Um, So I'm I'm definitely very much that way. And I think that goes into kind of what we're talking about, you know, why I clear my inbox, why I want to be organized, you know? Um, So for sure, that's, that's my style.
0: I'm going to ask this question because I'm just such a nut about it, but what do you, how do you keep, track of like your tasks and your to-do lists?
1: Well, I, I'm certainly not as good as you. As a matter of fact, this is one of the things I always, every time you talk about this, I'm like, I've probably listened to the podcast you've had on this a couple of different times because I'm just so, uh, and I'm so uh, inspired by how you organize. So I'm not near what you are, but I'm constantly keeping a to-do list on my notes in my uh, on my iPhone. And my and I've told everyone this. I don't. Some people keep this, you know, multiple lists, like personal versus work. My to-do list is one to-do list, and um, I look at it almost, you know, probably multiple times a day. And I think, okay, what do I got to make sure I get done today, and then what needs to kind of get done this week. Um, and then I have also a list of like, like right now um, I have on one of my, my kind of future list is um, I want to make a picture book from our Utah family vacation this year. It doesn't have to be done this w- this week, but it's something that's like on my near term list to get done. And so just by having those lists, again, kind of back to my kind of, you know, being organized, being a bit of a taskmaster, it, it motivates me to get it done and to do something about it.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm gonna hold back my the reins on that conversation because I'm so I've got five more follow ups, but I I think people want to hear more about your leadership and uh, your career. We can talk so, about
1: that at the next coffee.
0: There you go. There you go. <laughs> um, okay. So I, I am curious, though, um, as as you continue to evolve in your career and find new leadership positions, how do you think um, you know 20 years ago when you got started? How do you think you're different as a leader, as a team member, than maybe you were back then to today?
1: Uh, patient, definitely. Um, I think a little more accepting too of um, diverse thought. Um, you know, in my early leadership days, I was, I think, because of my achievement um, orientation. And and being very driven, I just had a very definitive way of how I thought things should get done and what I wanted to accomplish, and so I would be pretty bullish on that. Um, I think through leading through teams, um, and I've you've heard this story before, so apologize for telling you, but it might be relevant to the people who listen to this. Is I remember one of the most important leadership lessons I've had is I had a woman that came back from maternity leave for her first time and. Um, you know, you are, I'm um, it's hard to come back after maternity leave, particularly your first baby. And she was struggling a little bit and I just wasn't sensitive about it because I was very focused on, she was one of my key performers. She was coming back. I was like, okay, let's get to work, right? Here's what you got to accomplish. And I, I started kind of getting on her about, you know, not getting as much accomplished and just kind of not as engaged as she was before she had her baby. And, you know, it, it kind of ended up at this kind of terrible intersection with her because she just got frustrated with me pushing her. And I've always reflected on that thinking, Gosh, I should have been more sensitive. And it's something that just seated in my mind of everybody has different, you know, priorities in life. It's not just about work. Everybody's worked different working styles. Um, and, um, I think that is a kind of a clear point when my leadership style shifted um, and I've started to kind of accept, I started to accept kind of, again, um, more diversity of thought, more ways of working, different people from different um, experience sets. Um, and that has just progressively opened my mind to, again, more patience, more acceptance, and again, more like empowerment of my team. Okay. And I've realized through doing that is actually that drives engagement with a team. That drives higher engagement, higher performance, and so it still feeds that achievement orientation. And I'm still able to be successful as as I'm personally kind of driven to be, um, but in a different way than I originally thought about my leadership um, early on in my career. That's
0: super interesting. Um, it, it's funny because it makes me think of a similar thing that I feel like I'm I've changed as a leader, which is, um, giving problems a chance to maybe work themselves out or to have the team members work them out. Mm -hmm. You know, as leaders, your team's going to come to you with challenges and problems quite a bit. And I used to be like, Mr. Try to solve it every time, like get it, get it solved. Here's the answer. Here's the thing. Let me jump on it. And I worked with another leader who, who was vastly different in that area. A problem would come and I thought he was, unwilling to make decisions um, and sort of par- paralyzed by decision making. And and maybe there was a little bit of that and maybe I was too quick to make decisions. But but I think a part of his strategy was to let things play out. And I've learned over time as something comes and I'm like, oh, I can, I've got to fix that. Maybe I take a breath, take a day and see if it's start. And it's just interesting to see because a lot of times those things will work out or your team members will get together and solve it.
1: Definitely. Yeah. I think also being the other thing that um, I've evolved into as a leader is I think, you know, I don't have as big of an ego as I once did. You know, I was again, like I because I wanted to be successful, I always wanted to be, you know, the person in the room representing the work and being able to present it. And I've realized also over time, like, you know, to check my ego and let other people shine that work for me. And that again also kind of feeds their feeds their motivation and feeds you know kind of their engagement so that that comes back on you know kind of me demonstrating my good leadership and getting the team to be successful and so I think some of that kind of checking my ego um, has been you know been part of the evolution of well as well
0: yeah I, I feel the same way we're we're getting uh, wiser in our. older leadership. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) Um, All right. So I do have a a question. I've never asked this of a former Coke person. So, um, you know, you've been several years removed now, but you were there for so long. Are there a couple of things you wish, because as a company gets bigger, you know, it can, it can get slower. There's things that can happen. Anything you look back and you'd say the one piece of advice I'd give to that organization would be, this that you you maybe you were always trying to get it to happen there or and it could be you could insert any large company but i'm just curious now that you've had time away and it's you know obviously an, an amazing brand is there anything that you think for them to be successful for the next 100 years they're going to have to do this
1: yeah i mean i think i mean i think there's a couple of things that i've actually learned this kind of being at kellogg kellogg is not hierarchical um, You know, I can I can walk on our senior leadership floor, walk up to our CEO's cubicle and have a conversation with him. The leadership floor of Kellogg looks the same as every other floor in the company Um, at Coke. It's very hierarchical. People know what their job grades are. They the the senior executive floor. You don't even aren't even allowed to get off of it because there's a security guard standing there. It's all white carpet. When you do get to go, you know, it's this like pristine, you know, St. Regis experience and it just creates this haves and haves nots kind of culture. And, and it's very hierarchical driven. Everybody cares about their job grade right there um, as did I, when I was there. Um, and I think that is like a big barrier for them um, because keep people, are caring more about, you know, job grade and growth and titles versus great experiences, great output of work. Um, and so it just, it creates a part of the culture and Coke's a great company. And this is, this is, you know, sounds like I'm kind of painting a negative picture. This is the, you know, 5% of the great 95%. Um, but I think that's their biggest, one of their biggest opportunities. And ultimately, one of the reasons why I left the company.
0: Yeah. I think that's fair. And again, I pushed you to say something like that. And, and I, and I think of it more as, you know, something that lots, most huge companies deal with and, and probably something that I'm hoping that changes over time. Um, I'm hoping that gets that way. Um, but you see it, you see it in big agencies, um, where it's sort of like the the whole floor. And I've been on that floor on tours and stuff, and it is pristine up, up, uh, (laughs) on at (laughs) Coca-Cola. You got on it. <laughs> uh, I was a tour. It might have been a Leadership Atlanta tour. It was something. And I remember going, wow, I've not seen this before. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, okay. So I'm really interested um, in how you have... So we're, so we're now like six months into quarantine and COVID. Um, and I, I want to know how you have dealt with that, um, both personally um, and you know, certainly from a leadership and a Kellogg perspective with the, you know, the extra sort of lens of you were, you were remote. I mean, you were traveling a lot and you were at headquarters a lot, but you know, you live in Atlanta, that's not where the headquarters is. So, so you and a lot of, I think a lot of your team members also remote. So the point being, it's not like that was a totally different thing to work from home some, but talk to me about, um, let, let's start with you personally last six months. Um, you probably enjoyed not traveling, but yet you can't connect with your team as much. Can you talk about how you're how you're doing?
1: Yeah, it's um it's interesting for me. Um, and I say this cautiously, it's actually been a gift for me. Um, I have you know been on the road a lot the last three years, um, away from my family, my daughter, kind of not able to do some of the personal things that I want to do for myself or you know social outreach or um so for me it's been a gift and I've really taken the opportunity personally during this time to um take advantage of it. Um I've hope my tennis game is the best it's ever been which is one of my passions as you know. Um, I've become a 10 times better cook which I'm also passionate about cooking. I've spent so much time. I love being home with my daughter, you know, and having a chance just kind of on the ad hoc daily interactions to make her lunch. You know, I just made her lunch today and take it up to her as she's studying in her room and doing school. And so for me, it's been a positive personal thing. I've also used this opportunity. I've been doing a lot of like household projects. I've gotten all my photos together and we moved into a new house and I'm super organized in the new house. And so Um, So I've, I've, I've honestly kind of enjoyed it. Um, I do miss from a professional standpoint, though, one of the things I love about working is just leading a team and being with my team. And so I definitely miss the personal interaction with my team. Um, But I really find ways, um, you know, informal and informal ways daily to to reach out to them. We certainly do a lot of video, but that's not mandatory. Um, but I just have a lot of personal connection time with each one of them, it, whether it's in one-on-ones or like, you know, I have a, a a bi-monthly coffee chat with my whole team where we just get on, you know, on, on teams for 45 minutes and have coffee and chit chat together. And, um, and so I'm still trying to finding ways for us all to have that kind of interpersonal connection without the work. So that we still feel like a team and still feel connected, but no doubt it's been hard not being live with my team and, and traveling to great places. You know, I had international travel role, and um, so you know, just missed that entirely. Um, but I feel like we've done a good job um, for the most part. You know, my team, um, we just had, did an engagement scores. My team engagement scores went up over the last time we took the survey, and we're working from home now. Hmm. So, um, so I think, it's, I think it's working.
0: Do you think that, um, in a future where, you know, we've got a vaccine and every, and nobody's worried about health, um, is, is there a hybrid scenario that becomes, uh, more likely or do most parts of Kellogg go back to regular?
1: To be determined, you know, officially, but, um, I can't imagine not, um, because I think also employees are going to demand it. And you know, I know I am. You know, I I I'm not going to give up the personal gains I've gotten from this time and this experience. And so it now becomes kind of part of my, you know, mandate, for lack of a better word, of what I what I need as part of kind of my professional and personal balance. So I think it'll have to um, because this is going on too long that we've just all established these habits. Yeah. So I mean, I'm sure you're loving being home with your kids more and being around and.
0: Yeah. To your point, I love it. And, you know, the time saved, not driving, um, and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, lunch. Yes. I get to have lunch with a bunch of my kids all the time. You know, it's pretty great. Um, from that perspective, for sure.
1: Yeah. Um, but I'm all, I mean, my daughter's two. Yeah, go ahead. My daughter's two years from college, you know, and so, um, this is a huge gift for me for sure.
0: Yeah. And, and same for me, like we've got a 15 year old, um, but I'm getting to see them. I mean, more than I ever have in my career. Um, and again, it's that we're, we're lucky we're privileged in that perspective, but I, I, I say, you know, sort of absorb it now and take advantage of it now. Cause it will go back somewhat, but I agree. I, I think for dragon army, we're also thinking, you know, remote, um, maybe three days a week, maybe a couple days a week, mm. go into the office, something. So we have some connection, but I mean, the amount of time that our team saves, um, the, the just the stress of driving in Atlanta traffic. I mean, I, I don't know what that's going to oh, do to them goodness. when they
1: don't. Yeah.
0: So. Yeah.
1: I think the trick is going to be for leaders to figure out because the, and you probably are hearing from this from your team is it's hard to shut down when you're home. And so there's a burnout factor to, you know, always having the work in your house. And I think there's a burnout factor from always being on video um, and your computer for meetings. And so there's got to, I think somehow we've got to figure that out. Um, and I, I honestly, I, I haven't figured that out yet. You know, I've had several of my team members kind of express concern or frustration about it and just the, you know, the constantness of always being on. Um, and so, I think that's going to be something we're going to all have to face as this becomes more kind of the normalcy of how we work.
0: Yeah, agreed. Do you do you have any um, tips or things you've learned in order to check on your team members during this time, or is there any ideas non-video that you've found interesting?
1: You know, I, I like I do a lot of text. I have a WhatsApp group. Um. You know, I'm trying to think what else I do that would be, you know, the other thing I've done a a number of times is I've sent like little gifts to my team members at their house. You know, like Uber, I've had Uber Eats deliver cupcakes, um, Drizzly, those types of things to just kind of show them, you know, and, and outreach to them in a way that's. Um, doesn't require them to be immediately responding or doesn't require them to be on a video, but just to know that I'm thinking about them and appreciate. We have a, an achievers program at Kellogg where you can award points for people who do kind of that those points go into, you know, a pool that you can buy gift cards and all kinds of stuff. I, I over rotate on doing those types of things. So I think just showing the appreciation. Um, and I think also just being caution or sensitive to their personal demands. You know, several members of my team who have small kids at home, they're dealing with homeschooling. I have, you know, three or four um, people that are single. I think being single right now is really hard. So, um, you know, just really understanding their personal dynamic during this time, I think is also a part of it. I think I wish I had choice. like some silver bullet, but that's, that's the best I I, I know how to do right now.
0: Well, I think it goes back to what you were talking about earlier about, um, the way you've changed as a leader. Like you're, you know, I have found right now I have to be more maybe inquisitive, but certainly more receptive Mm -hmm. to how everybody individually is feeling, you know, to your point, Mm -hmm. like in my mind, I might say the, the, the parents with two kids at home are dealing with this, you know, and it's as hard for them as anyone, but then the solo person who's just their whole life has stopped because they're just sitting at home all day. Maybe they're single. Like, So if you're in person, you can gauge a little of that. Sometimes you're, you can see that someone's upset, but if you just see them on the business, you know, one hour here, one hour there video you might not. So like taking the time to ask, um, Mm -hmm. and, and I've had, I've had some team members, you know, finally start to open up and then they're in tears because they're just dealing with stuff and they're not getting it out.
1: Yeah. 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 Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
0: So last thing I'll ask you, um, is, What advice would you give to somebody who um, hears this or knows you already and says, "My gosh, cocaine, Kellogg, forty-eight and forty-eight board"? How do I? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) How do I do all these things in my career? Maybe they're twenty-five. Like, what? What would be two or three things you would you would tell a young person today that wants to have a career similar to yours?
1: Yeah, um, you know. For me, um, I never. I, it was. It's interesting. I never had like this sense that I was going to be the title or have the list of jobs that I've had. That that was never part of um, my plan. I just stayed focused on doing really good work and um, and delivering great results. Um, and I think. That just fed itself over time. And I. the other thing I'd say, this is, I think, more importantly, is I was open to a lot of different opportunities and experiences. And I didn't, um, well, at times I definitely chased, chased job grades or growth. I also took a few key moments in my career to take lateral moves, look at other um you know, development experiences that gave me something that I didn't have or an opportunity to work with people I didn't work with before, um, and just open my mind. And that just kind of kept opening the door to the next, um, the next opportunity. And then I guess the last thing I would say is, um, I've found really good leaders to work for. And, um, you know, I'm now incredibly choosy on, it's almost more important than the job itself on who I work for. It's gotta be someone that I trust that's gonna, I know, have my back, that's gonna push me, that's gonna be, you know, oriented towards doing the right thing. Um, And so I've, I've kind of the last, I'd say, probably three to five moves, I've made sure it's been with people that I respect and have a lot of um, respect for their leadership. And then that kind of fuels me and that works in a positive way as well for me. So um, I think that's kind of like in my, and to sum it up, that's kind of the way I've um, gotten to where I am. Um, the other thing I'd say is I don't, I stay, I try to stay in check about it. I recognize, you know, the role I play and the title I have and the accomplishments I've had, but I kind of let my ego stay in check on that and, and not think about, you know, that, um, my title, like I, I don't let that, you know, get my head too big for sure.
0: That's such great advice. Um, keep your head down, do the work, um, be open to opportunity, follow leaders, which mm-hmm. I love. Um, that's an overlooked one, I think. And then as you have success, yeah, definitely don't fall into the trap of thinking you're Mr. Big Stuff.
1: Definitely, for sure.
0: <laughs> Julie, thank you so much for chatting with me. And look, it was selfishly just a chance for me to catch up with you because it's been a little while since Corey. I know.
1: I know. I, I miss you, on Jeff. The
0: podcast. It was awesome. Thank you so much for, for doing this.
1: For sure. Great talking to you.
0: All right. Thanks, everyone. Time. Wow, you made it to the end of the podcast. I didn't think people did that anymore. Well, since I still have you, I'd love for you to do two things. First, subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. That way you'll be alerted as soon as I post my next one. And second, I'd love for you to subscribe to my email newsletter. I send out an email every week or two, and it's really where I share my more personal thoughts and ideas, plus I give stuff away sometimes. You can find the sign up at my blog, JeffHillemeyer.com, and I really do appreciate you listening.